Welcome to the fifth segment of KALA This Week. I'm your host, Bailey Winfrey. This week, we will hear three fantastic stories from Anna, McKenna, and Abby. Sierra has another great recipe, and Ryan is back with all things SAU sporting. Happy fall break, bees. Let's jump into the first story. Hello, KALA listeners. This is Anna Berry with KALA This Week. Before we get into my portion of the show, I would like to make you aware that the topic being discussed in my segment may be triggering to some. Please feel free to leave and tune back in once my portion is completed. Did you know that October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month? In honor of October being Domestic Violence Awareness Month, yesterday, October 13th, the Sexual Assault Advisory Team, also known as SAT, here at St. Ambrose University held the handprint pledge. Today, I am joined by one of SAT's members, Kelsey Nielsen, to talk more about this event and also spotlight other ways SAT makes a difference here at Ambrose and in our community. Hello, Kelsey. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> yes. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. Um, to get started, I would first like, um, if you could explain what domestic violence is for those that may not know would you be able to do that so domestic violence is typically verbal emotional or physical abuse that can happen in relationships it can happen um you know between friends parents and all that stuff as well nice um Thank you for giving that um, little preface, just so the rest of this interview makes more sense to those that may not have known what domestic violence is. Um, So let's talk about the sexual assault advisory team here at St. Ambrose. Um, What is it, and why did you choose to be a part of it? So the sexual assault advisory team, we only meet once a month, and it's just to try to make campus a safer place for everyone, Um, every student. There's no specific gender um, of who we target or who can join. I decided to join because as someone who has gone through sexual assault, I felt that it was important to me to bring light to it and to try to help other people on campus use their voice in that way. Definitely. That's that's great to hear. Yes. And I'm very <laughs> excited to learn more about the sexual assault advisory team because yes. it was very new to me <laughs> once I came on campus. So I'm really yeah. excited to maybe see how I can you know use that team and um, mm-hmm. help bring awareness to those um, issues that you're talking about. So like I mentioned earlier yesterday, the handprint pledge was held. Yes. Um, for those who do not know, what is the handprint pledge and why did you decide to bring it here to Ambrose? So the handprint pledge means these hands are not for hurting. So anyone can come, they paint their hand teal or purple, and they put it on a tablecloth and sign their name, just saying, my hand will not be used as a way to harm anyone else. And it's really holding people accountable to that and saying, you know, even though St. Ambrose is a pretty small campus, domestic violence and that stuff still happens on campus. So if we can get more people to take that strive to learn about it and to take the pledge to say I'm not going to be that person that harmed someone else in that way it's it's important to have Mm -hmm. very and it's it seems like a very powerful you know being able to like physically put your hand on a on like the tablecloth you said Mm -hmm. and sign your name by it and say like I will not do this and I think that's just a very powerful move for you know for someone to do but for also to see the community around them see that there's all of these people that are in it together to you know not use their hands in a harmful way 
So along with the handprint pledge, what are other ways SAT is helping to bring awareness to domestic violence? So we host, we try to host around three events each month. Um, we have, you know, Take Back the Night, which is where we walk around campus at night and we have people talk about their stories of domestic violence or sexual assault. Um, these people can submit their stories anonymously and we will share them if they're comfortable with that. But it's just like a peaceful way to say, you know, you're heard, like your voice is being heard. Um, We also do walk a mile, which a lot of people love. It's where men get to put on women's shoes and walk a mile around campus just to kind of get a more inside look on what it feels like to be a quote unquote woman, you know, wearing Mm -hmm. those shoes, so. Yeah, I think I've seen those pictures on Instagram. So, you know, that'll be fun (laughs) and a good experience for me to be a part of this year coming up. Um, uh, Now to bring to the topic beyond Ambrose, so to Mm -hmm. bring it farther out and to reach out to the community and to the Quad Cities, how how can the community make a difference in relation to domestic violence? So to make a difference, really... I would personally say get in contact with like family resources, you know, they're an organization in the Quad Cities and they host tons of volunteer opportunities where you can go and you can volunteer in a women's shelter and actually hear stories from women that live in the Quad Cities and, you know, what they've gone through and how there's homes that are helping them like rebuild their life and all of that. So. Yeah, definitely education, I think, is very yes. important, probably. Um, yeah. And also just being more aware, especially, you know, like you said earlier, we do have a small campus, but yeah. things like the, this does still happen, you know, so being more aware of your surroundings and being that friend for someone that might be going through it. Yeah. And even if you don't know how to solve it, finding those resources that can help you mm-hmm. and your friend um, would be very probably beneficial. Yeah. Now, if the listeners are interested in learning more about SAT or are looking to find more information about domestic violence, where could they look? So you can go to the SAT Instagram, which is S-A-A-T. Also, the security department here at St. Ambrose, they have a list of the sexual assault advocates that are on campus for anyone, you know, if something happens on campus and you want to get in touch with someone, um, it's confidential nothing will be shared you know but there are resources there yeah (laughs) so there's definitely a ton of resources here um on campus for Mm -hmm. people and you also mentioned the family resources for those in the community to be able to um get in contact and learn more or share their own personal stories Mm -hmm. if they need help um thank you so much kelsey for joining me today thank you and thank you to the listeners of kala for tuning in for this episode of kala this week once again it's anna berry and i'm signing off Hi, this is McKenna Verdon on KALA This Week. Over the last couple of semesters at SAU, Sodisco has produced many cool and creative alternatives for food options that students can choose from, from either the food court or the cafeteria. The newest attraction is the Smoothie Bike, located at the Rogowski Center Food Court. I'm here with CJ Bush, who is the marketing specialist of St. Ambrose University S- University Sodisco. How are you, CJ? I'm fantastic. How are you? Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Smoothie Bike and what it does? So the Smoothie Bike was actually recommended to have us uh, be brought in by um, our district manager, which is um, just someone that lo- overlooks our account here at uh, St. Ambrose. And he thought it since we uh, are a very successful account, he wanted us to just kind of bring in an alternative way to uh, kind of just have a fun 
way of just making food in general, like smoothies, protein shakes, etc. So he recommended the smoothie bike, and it was successful at other different universities. And so we were just like, yeah, we'll bring it in. We'll give it a shot. So that's how it's kind of just here. How's it been going, the smoothie bike? Um, first couple of weeks, it went really, really well. A lot of people got on it, and uh, it's kind of died down. I think it's, that's just due to the uh, cold weather. You know, when it's cold and 30 degrees outside, people don't really want to have a smoothie, you know. So, But we've been having it featured at different, like, club fests and different uh, events across campus, and people still have a really big interest when um, it's uh, out there in, in the uh, different fests, so... Yeah, it's actually going pretty well. Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times through like the Club Fest and then the Sustainable Fest. It's been pretty popular. Pretty yeah. nice. Yeah. What has been the most favorite drink that people have made in the Fruity Bike? Um, I know uh, protein shakes have been a big one because we now have a protein station in Rogo. And so I know a lot of people like to put their protein in the uh, blender and they like to ride it and they like to mix it up and make their own drink there uh so between that and the smoothies so i would say those are probably the two most popular things obviously to be on the smoothie bike besides the smoothie bike on campus there's been also multiple other attractions on campus what what are they what were they like um some different attractions we've had some different pop-up events um over at health science we've had some breakfast burrito bars and that's been really really popular with some of the students over there to give them an alternative for their breakfast um, another really popular thing that we've been trying to do is uh, these uh, promotions called Big City Bites. And basically what it is, it's uh, feature foods from different places around the United States. Um, I know the first one we did was Austin, Texas. So it was more of like a southern style Tex-Mix type of deal. So that was really fun, really creative, popular. And then today, actually, on whatever today is, the uh, the 12th, we did Philadelphia. And so we had, obviously, the classic Philly cheese steak. We had some big old pretzels. You get whatever you put on the pretzel and just some different features from Philadelphia that have made it super famous there so I mean food service in general across the board we've tried to include different things have different pop-ups like the smoothie bike and all these other different things so thank you very much any final thoughts you have at all uh no not really just uh if you see a pop-up don't be afraid to try new things and uh kind of just expand your taste palette a little bit and uh you know you never know what you're gonna like so thank you very much yeah no problem this is KLA this week Hello listeners, today on CC Stress-Free Recipes, we are learning how to make homemade chili that is perfect for this fall weather. I know a lot of symptoms are going around for the cold, and especially on campus, a lot of people have a lot of contact with everyone, so diseases spread quickly. I wanted to come out with this homemade warm chili recipe that is perfect for this cool, cold fall weather. For the ingredients, you will need olive oil used for sautéing, ground beef, preferably 85% lean, yellow onion and garlic, which adds a lot of flavor, canned tomatoes with green chilies, tomato sauce, beef broth, spices like chili powder, cumin, paprika, sugar, coriander, and salt and pepper, and then dark and light kidney beans. First, you're going to heat olive oil in a large, deep, non-stick skillet over medium-high heat. Add onion and saute 3 minutes, then add garlic and saute for 30 seconds. Pour onions into the 6 or 7 quart slow cooker. You're going to brown your beef by returning to the skillet on medium-high heat 
Add your beef and cook stirring occasionally until the beef has browned. Drain the fat and add beef to the slow cooker. Add your liquids and seasonings by stirring in diced tomatoes, tomato sauce, beef broth, chili powder, cumin, paprika, sugar, coriander, and a seasoned mixture with salt and pepper to taste. Cook on low and make sure it's slow. Cover with a lid and cook on low heat for five to six hours. Stir in the beans, add in dark and light red kidney beans and allow to heat through for about two minutes. Serve warm and add your desired toppings, such as sour cream, green onions, more yellow onions, etc. I like my chili with cheddar cheese on top. It's very tasty. You can make this recipe in an instant pot, on the stove top, or in the crock pot like I just taught you. This recipe is inspired by Cooking Classy. Thank you so much for listening to this week's CC Stress-Free Recipes. Next week, we'll get back with another recipe to combat this cold weather. Thank you so much. Hi guys, this is Abby Varkalis, and today I'm going to be talking about a new movie that I just recently watched. So this movie is called Mr. Harrigan's Phone, and it could be found on Netflix. It was an amazing movie, and I would recommend it to anyone. It was released on October 5th this year. It's PG-13. It was about two hours long, so not that bad. It was definitely something that would be easy to sit through. It's number two in movies today on Netflix, so that's a really good sign. And it's also by Stephen King, which if it's by Stephen King, you have to watch it. So it's also classified as a horror movie, which in my opinion, I didn't really think it was that scary. It had more of a supernatural feel to it. So even if someone did not like horror movies, I would still recommend this to them because it really, it, it didn't really hit on those levels. So the description from Netflix reads that a boy and an aging billionaire bond over books and their first iPhones. But when the older man passes, their mysterious connection refuses to die. So this movie was amazing. The effects, elements, everything. And they include two main characters that a lot of people do know. So the first one is Jaden Martell, and he's the lead. He plays Craig, and he also plays lead Bill in It, the the clown movie. So a lot of people know him. Another person that a lot of people know, another actor, is Donald Sutherland, and he's the one that's revolved around, he plays Mr. Harrigan, and he also plays President Snow in The Hunger Games. So these are two actors that are very well known, and a lot of people see them everywhere. They're in a lot of movies. So the acting here, especially with these two actors, are it was amazing, and nothing was cheesy or corny or dumb. It was, it was really good, and they hit on a lot of different things. So this movie revolves around technology almost. So this boy, Craig, decides to read to an elderly man every every couple days. So he's there about three times a week. And the elderly man isn't able to to read to himself because he doesn't, his eyes aren't that good. So Craig goes over to read him his favorite books and they bond a lot. And he started reading to this man since he was very young. So they develop a great bond. And Craig eventually buys Mr. Harrigan a phone, an iPhone. And this is when iPhones were just coming out. So everyone at at Craig's school was obsessed with iPhones. Everyone had an iPhone. So Craig got one. And later down the line, he got one for Mr. Harrigan. And Mr. Harrigan slowly became not obsessed with his phone, but very involved with his iPhone because he was very, he was very interested. He was intrigued because this was very new to him and his generation. So he would look at stocks. He would look at stats. He would look at everything he was interested in that 
he wouldn't be able to. So if he didn't have an iPhone. So as soon as the elderly man passes away, Craig gets some very strange phone calls from Mr. Harrigan because they they switched. They, they gave each other each other's phone numbers. And I don't want to spoil the movie because it's it's great. So I'm not going to give everything away. But I loved it. It's a great watch. And I also experienced a variety of emotion. And I think that's really good when it comes to a movie. I laughed. I cried. I, you know, obviously, I don't really think it's that much of a horror movie, but I did get scared in some points because it it does have that supernatural feel in there. So I did jump a little bit at some points or was shocked. So there's not necessarily any jump scares or anything like that. It's just a, a more of a shocking feeling and you wouldn't ever expect what was actually going to happen. And I was constantly on the edge of my seat. There was some points where like, oh, okay, now I understand. I mean, it's very easy to understand, but then you're like, wait a second, I totally got that wrong. It actually meant this. And I really like that because it always keeps you guessing. You don't think the whole time through the movie that you, you know what's going on and you don't decide the plot. It, you know, you're, you're able to develop that plot as you go along and it's not just presented to you right away. So you're able to figure that out for yourself, which is a really, a really good sign when it comes to movies, I feel. And so just during this movie, you you kind of grow with Craig and you get to know him and you also get a feel for, it has like a futuresque feel to it too. So iPhones are definitely the future. Technology is the future. And when all this stuff came out, Mr. Harrigan predicted the future. He was like, these are going to ruin our lives later in life. Not that they, not that technology has, but more so iPhones and social media and everything. And people become extremely relied on or they rely heavily on them. So he definitely predicts a lot of this stuff and it's, it's very crazy. And, and Craig later in his life begins to realize that Mr. Harrigan was right. And there's a lot of different turns in this movie and ghosts. There's, you know, you, you see Mr. Harrigan and, and there's a lot of, there's a ghost feel, supernatural, all of that sort of things or or sort of stuff. So I really enjoyed this movie. I, didn't really think that I necessarily would because I'm definitely a big horror fan and it's hard to get my attention if it's not uh, a horror movie. But as soon as I watched and sat down and or saw the movie, I felt I felt so engaged and I was able to sit there for those two hours, which really didn't feel that long because I was just I felt like my my mouth was wide open all the time. And I really love the movie overall, and I would recommend it to anyone, like I said, even if they didn't like horror movies. I feel like anybody would love this movie. It's very touching, and it's funny, and it's overall just a great movie. So if you're free this weekend, especially, or this week, and it's, it's fall, guys, so it's a great time to sit down and watch a movie. A lot of people like to do that during this time. Cuddle up with a blanket, get some coffee, anything you like to drink, get a snack, popcorn, anything, and just sit down and watch a movie. Watch Mr. Harrigan's phone. It's a great movie and recommend it to your friends and I know they will love it. I'm sure you will love it too. So yeah, I overall a great watch and if you love supernatural stuff and and horror movies, it's a It's a great find. All right. Thanks, guys. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back into the sports segment here on KALA This Week. I'm Ryan Schistel. In this week's episode, I will be discussing men's soccer, women's soccer, women's volleyball, 
and football. Normally, I would try to add another sport into the mix. However, these four teams have had so much action going on recently, it's going to be hard to fit it all in the amount of time. So to start with men's soccer, the men's soccer team most recently came off of a win 1-0 against Indiana Northwest at the Crown Point Sportsplex. So that means that the men's soccer team has a record of four wins, six losses, and two ties overall, with a conference record of three wins, three losses, and two ties. Like I said, the Bees won one to nothing against the Red Hawks of Indiana Northwest this past Tuesday, October 11th. In that game, it was a first-half goal scored by Ryan Evans in the 40th minute with an assist by Ama Ajavan, and that was the only goal in the game. Goalie for the Bees was Zach Bauer, who faced two shots and saved both of them in the 90 minutes of play. In total, St. Ambrose took 12 shots, six shots in either half, but only four of those shots were on goal. For Indiana Northwest, the Red Hawks took four shots, three in the first half, and one in the second. Like I said, it was a goal by Ryan Evans, and it was the biggest goal of the game. Obviously, the only goal making it that one to nothing game. And the St. Ambrose Fighting Bees men's team has definitely improved from the beginning of the season where they had about a month-long winning route. Outside of that game, the Bees tied with St. Francis of Illinois 3-3 this past Saturday, October 8th. In that game, both St. Francis and St. Ambrose scored one goal in the first half and two goals in the second. For the Bees, scoring was by Lucas Pizza, who had a first-half goal in the 44th minute. Then, Jorge Brazula scored an unassisted goal in the 81st minute that tied the game at 2. Then, in crunch time in the 89th minute, it was Owen Ganaway who had an unassisted goal in the 89th minute to tie the game at 3, and that's where that game left off. So now, coming up for the Bees, they're in the final stretch of their games with only 4 games left to play. Tomorrow, October 15th, the Bees will take on Judson University at the St. Vincent's Athletic Complex. That game starts at 1 o'clock p.m. After that, the Bees will travel to Cardinal Stretch in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then they will travel to Trinity International on Saturday, October 22nd to Deerfield, Illinois. Then the Bees will wrap up their schedule with a home game against Governor State on Tuesday, October 25th at the St. Vincent's Athletic Complex. For the women's team, they are on yet another hot streak, winning their past three games. It was a 3-2 win on October 1st, so two Saturdays ago against Holy Cross, and then this past Saturday in a 2-1 victory against St. Francis of Illinois. In that game, the Bees scored both of their goals in the second half, the first coming in the 60th minute off of the foot of Taylor DeSplinter. Then, in the 79th minute, it was Haley Wilson with the unassisted lofted shot over the keeper's hands that gave the Bees their second goal and what turned out to be the winning goal. Rachel Willette was in goal for the Bees and out of the five shots she faced, she gave up one goal and saved four. Molly McLaughlin came in in the 66th minute to play the rest of the game for Willette. She didn't face any shots in the game. On Wednesday, the Bees took on Indiana Northwest in a 8-0 decisive victory. The Bees scored four goals in the first half and four in the second. Caitlin Brunson got scoring going in the 18th minute to make it 1-0, and then Haley Wilson tacked on the second goal in the 19th minute. 
Then, after a little while, it was Taylor to splinter with an assist from Caitlin Brunson in the 35th minute and Haley Wilson again in the 36th minute to make it goals 3 and 4 for the Bees. Then, Caitlin Brunson started off the second half scoring with a 61st minute goal, and that was followed up by a Margaret Hamilton 63rd minute goal. Then, Kendall Went put in a 65th minute goal, and Haley Wilson put in an 89th minute goal to make it 8 to nothing as the final. So, when it's all said and done, Haley Wilson had three goals, Kendall Went had one, Margaret Hamilton had one, Caitlin Brunson had two, and Taylor DeSplinter had one. So a lot of scoring from a lot of different Bs. The Bs took 22 total shots in the game and put 10 of them on goal. Rachel Willette, again, was in goal for the Bs, and out of the three shots she faced on goal, she saved all three. So that means the Bees have an overall record of seven wins, two losses, and three ties, with a conference record of six wins, zero losses, and two ties. Rachel Willette, the goalie for the Bees, won the Women's Soccer Defensive Player of the Week in the CCAC. So congratulations to the goalie, Rachel Willette. In women's volleyball, the team has improved on their record, moving to 15 wins and five losses overall with a 7-win and 2-loss record. Most recently, the Bees took on the Governor State Jaguars this past Tuesday, October 11th, in which it was a sweep three games to none. In the first game, the Bees won by a score of 25-18 to and then followed up their dominant performance with a 25-13 to second game of the match. Then, in the closest game, or the third game, the Bees won 25-22, to to finish off the sweep. In total, the Bees had 42 kills in the game, so obviously just a dominant performance for the Bees. The Bees look to keep their hot season going as they take on Missouri Baptist on the road today at 4 o'clock and then follow up playing again tomorrow against Cumberland at 9 o'clock a.m. Both of those games are a part of the Missouri Baptist Classic at the Carl and Dolores Petty SRC in St. Louis, Missouri. After that, the Bees have a three-match road streak against Olivet Nazarene, St. Francis of Illinois, and Judson University on October 18th, 20th, and 25th. I'll have more on those games in the upcoming weeks. Finally, the final sport we will talk about is SAU football. After starting with an 0-3 record, the Bees have bounced back in dominant performances against Trinity International and Judson. That actually improves their conference record to 2-0. So, as I talked about last week, the Bees beat Trinity International 49-7, and they continued their dominance against Judson this week with a 58-22 victory. In that game, Tom Casey tied the St. Ambrose University school record for most touchdown passes thrown in a game with seven touchdown passes on a 16-for-23 passing game and 250 yards. Touchdowns were caught by Yemi Ward, who had three, Israel Taylor, who had two, Nolan Bielskis, and Justin Wright, who each had one. Other great performances were put in by Caden King, who had 93 yards rushing, and Tanalich Hall, who had 54 yards rushing. On the defensive side of the ball, Zach Alberts and Max Gorley each had two forced fumbles, and then Tyrese Morgan scooped up one of those fumbles for a zero-yard return. The Bees also had six sacks for 43 yards lost 
offense for the Eagles and 13 tackles for losses for lost yardage of 57 yards against the Eagles. Now the Bees look to take on Olivet Nazarene tomorrow, October 15th at home at Brady Street Stadium with kickoff scheduled for 1 o'clock p.m. Olivet Nazarene, like the Bees, comes in with a record of 2-3 and three overall, but this is probably going to be the most battle-tested 2-3 and three team that St. Ambrose will ever face. Olivet Nazarene last year was a great team. They're another really good team this year, and it's just going to come down to who wants a game more, in my opinion. It's going to be who's going to be able to put on the hardest hit and who's going to have the most explosive plays on offense. Last year, St. Ambrose went to Olivet Nazarene when Olivet was ranked 13th in the nation and beat them. So this is a revenge game for Olivet Nazarene, and it's a game for the Bees to really establish a sort of dominance in the conference. That's all the time I have for this sports segment on KALA This Week. Go Bees! I'm Ryan Schistel, and I will be back next week. Thank you for listening to the fifth installment of KALA This Week. All content was written and recorded by Anna Berry, McKenna Verdon, Abby Vercalis, Sierra Mari, Ryan Schistel, and Bailey Winfrey. Huge thank you to our executive producer, Dave Baker. Thank you for listening, and we will be back next Friday at 4 p.m.